0: Our God is a God of love and mercy for both the living and the dead. You know, about 12 years ago, I, uh, I went to a day long seminar over at uh, St. Vincent de Paul Catholic Church in Osseo. Father Jim Livingston was the uh, main presenter for that day, and he had three other uh, gifted laypersons that helped facilitate that seminar. So, Father Jim is a charismatic priest. Uh, He has a great love for our Blessed Mother. In fact, uh, when he had a sabbatical many years ago, he took uh, three months and he uh, spent that time in Medjugorje to be uh, closer to our mother. Um, And he heads up the Third Order Carmelites in this area. Well, right after lunch... um, Father Jim and his team had us all come up for individual prayer. So they had four lines that you would come up, and uh, you would get individual, individual prayer from uh, from each of them. Well, somehow I got put in charge of uh, Father Jim's line. And uh, and this is how he prayed for the people. Um, he just had them come up individually. He placed his hands on their head, and he just silently prayed for all, say, people, uh, three or four minutes, he had me stand directly behind him in case they, um, uh, in in case they, um, what am I trying to say? Uh, Rested in the spirit, there it is. Um, In case they rested in the spirit. And a couple of them did. And, uh, you know, during this time, um, as I watched these people come up, no words were ever spoken between Father Jim and themselves, you know. So it was just a quiet prayer. And then, after about forty-five minutes, uh, he said, "Well, Paul, it's your turn." So, um, so I came up, and and he put his hands on me, and uh, he started praying. Well, about uh, a minute into the prayer, he stopped, and he he said to me, "Paul, are you Croatian?" And I said, "Well, no, I'm Slovenian, but Croatians and Slovenians are Slavic people. We're just like cousins, you know. By looking at us, you can't really tell us apart." And he said, you know what, I just had a vision. And I saw just a multitude of people, um, you know, Croatian, Slovenian people, interceding for you. I thought, wow, wow. And I said, you know what, I bet those are my deceased relatives and friends that I pray for. Those who have gone before us, before me. And he agreed. And it was a great affirmation for me. And it's a great affirmation for every one of us in this church. Because the vision that Father Jim saw is what the church confirms, confirms what the church taught, in that when we pray for those who have gone before us, you know, God allows them to intercede for us. And so that connection between us is never lost. When someone dies, the connection between us is never lost. You know, we as a church not only pray for our deceased uh, relatives and friends, but we pray for all those who are detained in purgatory. And we pray that they might all experience the love and mercy of our God. You know, the Bible speaks about uh, prayer of the living for the dead in the second uh, book of Maccabees. And uh, it's in chapter 12, and it's verses uh, 43 through 46. And I'm going to read that. But the backstory to that, so you can understand this, is that um, Israel was in a battle, and uh, and several of the the soldiers were killed during that battle. And now this is after the battle. So Judas, the ruler of Israel, took up a collection among his soldiers, amounting to two thousand silver coins which he sent to Jerusalem to provide for an atonement sacrifice. In doing so, he acted in a very excellent and noble way, insomuch as he had the resurrection in mind. For if he were not expecting the fallen to rise again, it would have been wise and and foolish to pray for the dead. But if he did this with a view... To the splendid reward that awaits them, those who have gone to rest in godliness, it was a holy and pious thought. Thus, he made atonement for the dead, that they might be absolved from their sins. Now, the Bible is the inspired word of God, right? And what is what is God telling us through this, um, through this passage? That we can make atonement for the dead by uh, offering alms. You know, the church sets aside the month, month of November as a time of prayer and alms for the dead. You know, we begin on All Saints Day on the first, and then the second is All Souls Day. You know, during this time, it encourages us for special prayers throughout this whole month for the dead. And it even has some special indulgences that we can offer for them during this time. You know, in the Novena of Divine Mercy, which the church prays, uh, just before Pentecost Sunday, on the eighth day of that Novena, the intercession is for the souls who are detained in purgatory. So this is how Jesus taught St. Faustina, the Apostle of Divine Mercy, how she and how all of us, every one of us, should pray for those who have gone before us. Those who are detained in purgatory and are on their way to heaven. Again, this is Jesus directing St. Faustina for this intention which is for, on the eighth day. And this is what he has to say. Today bring to me the souls who are detained in purgatory and immerse them in the abyss of my mercy. The torrents of my blood cool down their scorching flames. All these souls are greatly loved by me, They are making retribution to my justice. It is in your power to bring them relief. Oh, if you only knew the torments they suffer, you would continually offer the alms of the Spirit and pay off their debt to my justice. So what is Jesus telling us there? He says, it is in our power, it is in your power to bring them relief. And how do we do that? By offering the alms of the Spirit, and, and what happens then? Then we pay off their their, uh, their debt to his justice. So what are those alms of the Spirit that Jesus is talking about? Uh, and what should we be offering? Well, first and foremost, uh, the Holy Mass, the holy sacrifice of the Mass. Uh, the Mass is the perfect prayer, and the most powerful tool that we can use to pay off that debt. Uh, many saints have had... Uh, Experiences where poor souls from purgatory have come for come to them and asked for Masses to be said on their behalf. Um, each and every one of us, uh, anytime we, we come to Holy Mass, we can offer that up. We can offer up our communion for those people also. And the rosary, rosary, very, very powerful prayer. You know, Father Joe talked about this, uh, the 15 promises of the rosary uh, a few weeks ago. And on the ninth promise, it's, I shall deliver from purgatory those who have been devoted to to the rosary. So we can can do that. We can um, offer rosaries on the behalf of those who have gone before us. Giving of alms. Um, You can make a donation on behalf of them. You can fast and uh, offer that fast for them. You know, any and all prayers. And then we have the indulgences. And during the month of November, there's special indulgences. And one of them is going to the cemetery and praying at the gravesite for those who have gone before us. And again, what is it an indulgence? An indulgence is a way of reducing the amount of punishment one has to undergo for sins they have committed. So there are many, 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 many ways that we can pay off the debt to the justice of God. And again, we have a God of love and mercy. How wonderful is that, huh? You know, and this is probably a good time to talk about and address some of the questions many people have um, after a loved one has died. So what does the church teach about funerals and cremation and end of life? And some of those special issues that sometimes occur after the death of a loved one. Well, first of all, any time there is a death, it is a great loss, a great loss, especially for the close relatives and friends of the deceased. It is a time of mourning, a time where they needed to be treated with love and compassion and respect and much sympathy as they grieve their loss of their loved one. You know, the church recognizes this and uh, what a difficult time it can be for them. And it is here to assist them as they go through this very difficult time, a time of great loss. You know that uh, the normal grieving period for a close uh, rel- or a friend or relative or loved one is uh, two to five years, two to five years. So um, not only do we need to treat... Uh, people nicely for the very beginning, but for a long time. And we need to treat ourselves nicely, too, to recognize that this is happening to us and that is a process that we're going through. And first of all, the church encourages us to be prepared. It encourages us to be informed what it teaches about the end-of-life issues and the norms for funerals, you know, to have a health directive and a funeral plan for and... When someone close to us dies. And the church highly encourages that we have a health directive, a directive that will spell out how we have chosen to live out the last days of our lives. Live them out according to Catholic Christian values. And we can have a funeral plan, you know, spelling out our wishes so that at that time some of those difficult questions are already addressed. You know, and you know, here are some other questions that sometimes come up around the uh, the death of of a, a loved one. Um, you know, can a non-practicing Catholic have a funeral? Say, if you know somebody who's been away from the church for twenty or thirty years, even can they uh, can they have a funeral? Well, of course, for sure. You know, every baptized Catholic has a right to a funeral. In fact, they have. Well, they have a great right to it. So, And what if, uh, what if it, it happens somehow that uh, you, somebody did not have a funeral? What can we do about that? Is, that, is it too late? No, not at all. Come and see Father. Um, you can have a memorial mass for them. It is never, never too late. You know, Padre Pio, who was a, a great modern saint, was counseling a man who had just lost his father. Uh, Padre Pio told him that he should pray for his father. He went on to tell him that not only could he pray to pay off the debt of God's justice, but he could pray for a holy death for his father. His father was already dead. And Padre Pio repeated what he said to him. He said, so that you understand what I'm saying, you can pray for a holy death for your father. You know, this is amazing and, and kind of difficult for us to understand. But you know what? God is not under the rules of time. And Padre Pio underst- understands this, and he was counseling that man. And not in doing so, he was not only counseling that man, but he's counseling every one of us. He's telling us that it's never too late to help anyone, even after they have passed from this world. You know, this should bring us uh, great comfort, Um, knowing that we can have a positive influence on the salvation of all souls, even the ones that have passed from this world to the next. And in the diary of St. Faustina, Jesus tells uh, Faustina that not only has she helped in releasing many, many souls from purgatory, but she has also rescued some souls from hell. And it it's just amazing and encouraging the power of prayer, especially for the deceased. So the last thing I want to talk about is uh, is about cremation. So what does the church teach and what are the guidelines? The body of a deceased Christian is reverenced as a temple of the Holy Spirit, even in death. And the present code of of canon law strongly recommends that the custom of bearing bodies be observed. However, cremation is not forbidden unless chosen for reasons that are not harmonious with Christian teaching. And this is from canon law. If cremation is chosen, the church encourages that the body be present for both the vigil and the funeral, and then cremation will follow. And if this is not possible... Then the cremated remains may be brought to the liturgy, funeral liturgy. You know, the cremated remains are to be treated with respect and reverence. Um, they should be kept in an appropriate urn or container that is placed during the rite of committal. And so what is the rite of committal? It is after the funeral, like when we go to the uh, the uh, cemetery and, and bury the, uh, the bodies, um, either into a mausoleum, a columbarium, or a proper grave. You know, the church strongly recommends the custom of burying the body be observed. That should be the norm. And cremation is permitted after the funeral. Of course, there are special exceptions, and if you have a question, again, you can ask Father or myself about that. You know, the body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, whether it's in a coffin or an urn. So it's a good rule of thumb of how we should treat the remains in an urn is that we should treat it exactly as we would treat a coffin in a body. The customs we have observed uh, with cof- coffins and bodies are the same customs we should observe with uh, urns and remains. When we view it this way, many of the questions about what is permitted with the urn and remains should be answered. Again, if you have a question, and there are, again, many special cases, ask Father or myself about it. You know, November is the month that we as Catholics remember those who have gone before us, remembering them in love. Including today, we have 18 days left in this month. Let us use them wisely as we, as a church, offer prayers and alms for those who have gone before us, remembering always that our God is a God of love and mercy for both the living and the dead. Eternal rest grant to them, O Lord. Let their souls and all the souls of the faithful departed, through the mercy of God, rest in peace. Amen.